Welcome hey. to the manual. Better? Is there any chop? No, absolutely perfect, man. This is the thing about this podcast, totally organic. So the people out there can know that we don't fake any funks or fake any jacks. It's straight up what it is. So back my popular man, guys. This is Matty Ice. Um, you guys had him on for two weeks, and he's been spectacular. A lot of feedback, positive feedback from him. Um, and we are going to chop it up today about just going on on a few different things and try to get a perspective as to the new normal not being the new normal or a old normal. So, Matt, what's been going on, brother? Uh, so, in the name of transparency and sort of openness about, you know, how we're doing things here, you know why the, the last attempts didn't work? Because I didn't turn on the damn headphones. So, I was like... Oh, right? technology. So, and so, that's why the mic is not working. And I'm like, I don't get it. Nothing has changed. And I was like, I put my headphones off and I'm like, damn it, I didn't turn them on. Because there are Beats headphones that you have to turn on. Okay. You know, even when they're plugged in and I just plugged them in and I was like, you know, raring to go. So full transparency, we do not script any of this because I don't even know to turn my damn headphones off. <laughs> <laughs> womp, 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 womp. No there kidding. No kidding. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, obviously we've had a crazy week. Uh, we're heading into the middle part of our, um, our summer. And as I had mentioned on the previous episode um, that I did a, a monologue, you know, we are used to, and those speaking to the sports fans that we have that are listening, uh, we are heading, heading into the football calendar year for, um, for college sports, uh, football, and for professional football. And I don't know about you, Matt, it just doesn't feel like football season is coming, man. It's, it, you know, right around this time, preseason starts. I know you don't care about preseason, <laughs> but preseason starts, and then, you know, we get to you know the, the the excitement of the year starting uh, to watch some games, and it just doesn't feel like football season. Honestly, man, nothing feels right, um, and it's not even just football season. Like everything that's come back hasn't felt like something that's that was what it was. I mean, even true. even every sport that's come back, we would we should be excited about. And honestly, outside of a glimpse here or there of some hockey games, which is probably the most interesting sport to watch without fans, none of it feels the same. Uh, and so losing the football season, I don't know. It just it, it, it feels right only because nothing feels right, if that makes sense. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, even if football comes back and teams are going to have fans – one, you know, one team's not even going to have a name. Um, That's crazy. And I don't know. Like, I, I truly don't feel like anything feels real anymore. And I don't know how you feel about all of this because I think everybody listening has had a different experience with this. And, you know, my experience has been relatively safe and good. It's just we're stuck in the house for the most part. Um, and, I mean, I... And you, you agree, like, I miss sparring with you. I miss those, those those sessions. And, you know, life is just, I don't know. Like, and I, so not having a football season feels on par with what's going on. But I think even if it comes back, it's not going to feel the same. It's not going to have that excitement the way that I think we, we think it will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you imagine, like, watching a game, a football game without any fans in the stands, bro? That is probably one of the most weirdest things that I could imagine for any, especially college sports, you know, how the, the pageantry, uh, you know, 70,000 fans in a in a uh, stadium, something like that. Um, even watching the basketball, 
watched has been tolerable. Uh, baseball, I haven't watched any games. I, I usually don't watch it until the pennant race anyway, but and then the World Series. But I just kind of, yeah, you are absolutely 100% correct in saying that, you know, it's everything is kind of like we're just getting used to used to this. I mean, you know, both of, you know we are both great boxing fans. There's several fights that have been announced, and there's no buzz around these fights because, you know, there's not going to you know be a promotion probably other than you know the cable networks gouging us for money to watch these fights. But it's just going to be kind of like, what are we doing? So yeah, I don't know. I I, I totally agree with you. Um, now, what do you, you mentioned this last episode, what do you think about the economics of uh, picking on college sports for a second? Because, you know, um, three power conferences opted out and uh, the SEC, of course, is always going to go ahead and try to have a season. But, you know, how do you feel about how the economics are going to play with this um, for this for these schools? I just don't think that the presidents of these universities are all in the same position to make the same call. And that's really who's making the decision. And I, I think if there's anything that's been exposed over the last couple of weeks, it's sort of been that there's a lack of leadership with the NCAA as it pertains to football. And I know that all uh, you know these conferences are at least announcing that their fall sports programs are going to be gone. But when it really comes down to it, we're talking about football because that's what brings in the revenue. Um, and it's not to say that the other sports are insignificant, but as we, I think you said about Ohio, you know, I think places like Clemson or Ohio State, you follow the money and, and the money is going to dictate what is important. And like it or not, those programs are bringing in millions of dollars every year for, these, for the universities and, you know, lining a lot of pockets in the process. But in this time where it's just general uncertainty, we don't know. And I've listened to a lot of pundits and tried to form my own opinion thinking about it. And I know that my perspective on it, and I said two weeks ago that I would, you know, be okay with big time athletes that know that they're going to have an NFL career or at least an attempt at one, sit out because they're going to go out there and, you know, put their health on the line, not only playing football, but now, you know, with COVID. Um, and they're not getting compensated. So I can totally see that. But there's also a vast majority, probably what, 90% in the, in the land of college football that aren't guaranteed that or, or don't know that that's something that's in their future. And those kids need to play. They need that season to be able to get better and, and improve and hopefully, you know, make it to the next level. But even knowing that, I, unless a president of one of these universities has some type of a plan for if a student athlete dies there, there, there's yeah. just, there's that's, just, no, and there's just, that's the big one, man. If, if one of these kids go down, God forbid, when these kids go down, it's going to be a shit fest. Well, and it's a multi-layered thing too. Like it's not just the kid goes down. And I, I was talking to my wife about, about this. And I said, it's, it's, it's even complicated. Like I can feel as if these, these schools shouldn't have a season, but at the same time, they're going to say, well, we can't play football, but they're going to let tens of thousands of people back on campus. And how do you bridge that gap? Because if they're going to let all of the undergrad, you know, all undergrad students back on campus, then they're not going to allow them to play football. Well, yes, I, you can consider a university to be a bubble, but at the same time, it's also not. I mean, we're pretty far removed from going to college, but I recall a good majority of my sophomore year 
dingy frat house basements with way too many people. Can you imagine how fast COVID would spread at one of those? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the impromptu uh, dorm room party or suite party or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that That is a raging situation out of control at some point. And, so, yeah. and part of the appeal of college outside of, quote unquote, preparing you for your, you know, your life is, is that. And, and there shouldn't be any type of restrictions on how that goes because it's a completely different college experience. And these universities are going to be faced with a choice. They're going to be faced with a choice of not only playing football, but what are we going to do about the students? How are we going to deal with that? Because they can say that everybody who lives on campus has to do X, Y, and Z. I can tell you, being a Virginia Tech grad, I lived off campus for three out of five years and the university couldn't tell me what the hell to do. I could do whatever I wanted. And that, oh, yeah. that was the best, right? So how are you going to dictate that? And I actually kind of agree that when Nick Saban says this, the kids are probably safer playing football with us in this program than they are just sort of palling around either the campus or at home. But the aspect of that that I think has been lost is that, so take Alabama, for example, probably one of the richest programs in the country. I think that's mm-hmm. in, undisputed. They're only as safe as the least prepared school in the SEC. So if they're going to play other SEC schools, let's take Ole Miss, who is probably one of the less rich universities. I mean, I'm just looking at like geographic region and you know, all that kind of stuff. Are they going to have the same protocols or the ability to have the same protocols that Alabama's going to have? I, I, I don't know, and I don't think so. And what about the really small schools who don't have nearly what even like a power five school has in terms of resources they're only as safe as those schools that they come in contact with and how how do you do that how do you police that how do you safely go about that you're again you're you're restricted to your safety based off of what the school that you're interacting with you can do everything that you want on your campus and with your student athletes but it ends as soon as you leave the boundaries of that and if you, not every and every team can't play a home game, or else they wouldn't ever go anywhere, and nobody would play Correct. play them play each other. So it's not an easy thing, and I know that it's it's going to be weird. But there is also a part of me that feels like if we try to shoehorn in, we're going to end up having some weird. I don't know. Like, how are we going to deal with that in history? I know personally, like if they said we're just going to cancel all of it and we're going to start fresh next season. Man, the reaction to a normal season next year is going to be so hyped. And yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they would actually double their bottom line, in, in my opinion. I mean, you know, not to cut you short, the so from a competitive standpoint, um, I am one of the ultimate competitors when it comes to like, you know, it's why they keep score, I guess. If all the schools are participating, how can you crown a champion? How can you walk around saying, "Hey, I'm I am the." We are the football gods of the world when you didn't play every school that's supposed to be in your schedule or you played a in-conference um, schedule only, you know, like that, that creates, um, you know, an era of like, okay, when we go back in a footnote on history, you know, hey, you know what, that was the year of the asterisk because they didn't play. It's like when a, when a team plays and it doesn't play an entire season, like I, um, I get flack for this all the time in every barbershop that I go into when the LeBron argument comes up that 
I said, okay, his first championship was in lockout year. It wasn't his fault that it was a lockout year, but he didn't play all the games that other champions played. Not his fault. So I'm not blaming the guy for that. But what I'm saying, though, is that, you know, with less games, I, th- I think it was 30 games off the schedule that year. I might be wrong. Can yeah. fact check that. But, you know, you didn't. So those losses and wins would factor in as if, you know, if you guys would have made it even to the championship. So those 30 games, you know, let's call it 30, weren't counted because they didn't exist. So, you know, it, it's like when, I guess like when you vacate a Heisman Trophy winner, you know, Reggie Bush being the, the, the most notable one, that, you know, Vince Young didn't want it. He didn't want it as a default. He was like, no, nah, I, you know, he wanted that year and it was on field competitive, you know, that won it, you know, nothing else except for whatever rules he, he broke. But it, it's like, you know, how do you crown a real champion? You know, that's the first part of it. The second prong in my, um, my stance here is the fact that you mentioned about kids getting back on campus, other sports possibly um, lending, you know, lending or not lending to the financial take for the, for all institutions. The thing about, the thing about that is it's the same argument to say, well, why can't we go to church, but we can go to the supermarket or why can't we go, you know, to an amusement park, but we can go, you know, somewhere else. And what I say to those people that, that kind of make that argument is that you're, you're only in the supermarket 40 minutes tops, maybe an hour. If you're, you know, if you're lucky, you know, you have a list, you want to get in and get out. But when you're sitting at a, I mean, we've all been to games, you're sitting at a game, with screaming fans or you know not screaming fans or social distancing whatever but just still sitting in the area captive for you know two to three hours max um you know how does that how does that work out you know how does that how does that how does that really play so yeah i um i do agree with what you said about every president or every ad has kind of their own take on it but there's it goes to show you that the ncaa isn't a governing body like you would think because they could have ruled on this whole thing and says, you know what? No season or season. You know what I'm saying? So it's being left up to the individual conferences to do it. And the NCAA, in my opinion, is not saying anything because they're still going to cash in some, you know, if, if there is partial seasons or some kind of season to be had somewhere, they're still going to get their cut. And I think that's why they're not vocal about listening. It, it should be a one-all or one-off. What are we doing here? me what's disappointing is that it's August 14th and we've known about this since April right so they they canceled March Madness and at that point I think from a sports perspective we knew that was a huge deal Um, we knew that was big so here we are now five months later and what I have ascertained from everything that's happened is they didn't come up with a plan in five months no and I think that's the part that's disappointing and also really baffling to me. And they basically went from zero to no season, and there was no in between. There wasn't any type of adaptation to how we can do it. And that, I, I think, was disappointing. Whereas I have to give the NBA and the NHL some credit. They looked at how they could do things differently within the confines of the world around them. And I think thus far, they've at least succeeded to the point of being able to continue to put their product out um, without any hiccups. Baseball, on the other hand, just said, and then put their product out there without any fans, but didn't really change anything about all the protocols. And you've seen 
I mean, there's teams that might not even finish the season. And how can you, how can you take that seriously? And college, it's disappointing because you you know the how much revenue the schools get from it, but you also know that there's a lot of people, and they're most mostly you know kids on these teams that are in need of that leadership. They're in need of that um, that safe space for the universities to provide for them. And they're not getting it, really. And that's the sad part, I think, is is there was no, um, you know, college try, for lack of a better pun, you know, better term, of, mm-hmm. of getting this off the ground. And I think that's just weird to me when you have the universities have known about this and they've had months and months. And it's kind of like the NFL. The NFL is disappointingly without a plan right now. They're just like, well, we're not going to have preseason. Okay, but th- that doesn't do much for you. That that really doesn't um, make the season any safer. It just cuts down on the players' um, injuries probably for those four weeks. And it also gets rid of players' ability to show and show off team, right? But I think that's the part that's that's really bothering me the most about these fall sports is if and if they did have a plan, it was not something that was ever really um, made public. I mean, playing a conference only season, that's just a variation of what they did before. There's just no out of conference games, but there's still travel, there's still exposure, all that kind of stuff. And to me that mm-hmm. to me that's not really a plan. That's kind of like yeah, so we'll just put people in our comp. It's wishful thinking. Yeah, it is. But it's also, like, the easiest thing. You and I could have sent a letter to the NCAA. Conferences are just going to play conference games. I mean, anybody could have done that. Um, it would have taken no resources. We wouldn't. Have, we, we could have made our own letterhead to make it look official. Um, and I think that's it. But that actually, um, that has me thinking of something that I you know thought of last week. And after listening to your last episode, I was wondering if I could maybe ask you a question in reverse. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about history, human history, and all of the, the periods that we have had the largest um, jumps in either technology, creativity, art, you know, stuff like that. And I think back to a couple of periods. The one I really think about is the Renaissance. I think about the Industrial Revolution and to a lesser extent, the technology boom after the year 2000. And all of those came after a period of relative stagnation, a period of darkness or whatever you want to call it. You know, the medieval times was a pretty dark time. They lived a very rough and tumble lifestyle during the Middle Ages. Um, You know, and before the Industrial Revolution, you know, the country was living in, a, in a, just a completely different way. And I think to myself, do, are, are we in a period now during this? People's entire lives, for the most part, are different, where I'm home more than I ever was home. And I think you and I have cashed in on that to an extent, where we're starting to do this kind of work. We're starting to do things that we've always wanted to do, but found it difficult to make time for because of the way we lived our lives before all this. And I, I wonder to myself, and my question to you is, are we as humans kind of missing out on an opportunity to make another big jump in our cultural societal evolution? Well, I great question, by the way, guys. Great question. So uh, to kind of piggyback on or to answer that question in a question kind of way, uh, human evolution, obviously, is, it is what it is. Like we 
we tend to kind of kind of you know get through stuff you know out of this pandemic same as the one that was 102 years ago we are going to have casualties not to sound cold or callous you were going to have casualties um you know god forbid it, it's someone that you know or anyone but when you look at the populace as a whole as a whole excuse me you know we we are we are going through a, a stage um of something that we never dealt with before hopefully as a society as a people as a as, as a race uh human race that is that we learn from this you know hopefully we will learn from this um from the minute that this happened you know one of the one of the things to answer your question in a in a, in a political way and, and I hate always injecting politics in anything that I talk about but you know from the top down um and I'm speaking just of the government not just the president but the government as a whole uh both sides of the aisle and anyone else affiliated with anything else they want to when they label themselves as it's it's that the fact that all these people that we have in power there is not one voice that can rise above it all to to have reason to say hey guys this is this is this is going to shape us you're you just had a baby congratulations again your kid is not going to know about this until you know a history book or you and your wife tell him about this you know he's going to grow up in this time he was actually born right around the shutdown if i'm not mistaken yep So his his evolution will be when he's, you know, your age or my age, um he'll be able to reflect and look back at a time where they sh- we should have learned from something. We've learned from the Middle Ages being the Middle Ages, but we came out of it the age of enlightenment, I think was the next um next few years or, you know, next few centuries or whatever. That happened. So yeah, you're right. We as human beings, we are in a, a lull. Life didn't with the pandemic, life didn't stop. It slowed down. And one of the things that you meant that was poignant what you just said the slowdown made us realize things that we never had time for things that you missed out on just idle time because we always were coming from one thing to another today was the first day that I can remember in my life since this pandemic that I was going from one place to another in a frenzy where I'm trying to get just trying to get things done because again I'm not trying to expose myself being out many days when i can pick one day get out get things done but that's contingent upon someone else's plan okay because they arrive here at this time but then they're like well you got to wait 10 minutes because this person is not here whatever it is so yeah we as a people to to cap off this question you know yeah we're we are missing out we're missing out right now in this in this opportunity to uh better ourselves we are in a uh in a a thrust of of um reconditioning repatterning if you like to say that with our social injustice platforms we are also experiencing um you know we are I've never been so much um um not involved I guess that would be a bad word but I've never been so much surrounded by or or inundated by political things because every day it's something it's something every day with either the president or government or this pandemic and I'm like man everything is tied into a political thing because now our vote is threatened that's a democracy that we enjoy that's part of our democracy that we enjoy now that's a that, that's something that is being thrust to the forefront to say okay you know we've been doing things a certain way for a while and now all of a sudden we got to change we got to get a new normal we got to get a new way of doing things so yeah that was a great question my friend i can tell you that um for me so for, you know i won't say where but 
Um, I do work for the federal government and, um, you know, this period has brought to light different ways in which we can do business. And we've been extremely successful at it um, to the point where even when we're getting pressure from higher offices to go back to the office, we're not because we have realized that we have the full capability of doing everything that we could have done in a completely different way. And what that has done for for me anyway is allowed me to take inventory. Now, I'm usually a person that is introspective. I like to take inventory from time to time. And I think you mentioned that in your last episode too. Um, But I have come to realize that for the most part, I was living my life in a rush to get to the next thing so that I could relax, basically. And I realized that rushing to do all that stuff to get to the next the next thing to relax actually never manifested in any true relaxation it never manifested in anything because I was then already waiting for the next thing to come and you know we got to get to the office we got to do this and I thought about my parents who are you know my my father's in his 70s my mother's about ready to turn 60 and they read the paper every morning before they went to work I don't know anybody that does that anymore. Um, they had they made time to do those things. They weren't rushing to get to that next place. And they still were successful. They had a home. They had jobs. They had a family, right? All that good stuff. And I had this epiphany that I was like, why don't we do that stuff anymore? When did we chop off those moments of just unwinding for an unending grind? And I don't think... It, bad but like there are some times that you and I go through these weeks where it's like we don't stop and then when we try to stop it's we thought it would be and I want something different and I feel like I'm going to be an outsider because I think the country as a whole is just jonesing to go back to the way that it was and we're really not going to reflect on hey should we be changing the way that we think you know should we be more like some like in Europe who yes they work hard but they also play hard too they make that time to be relaxed and to do all that stuff and that's a very great point my where I'm from South America I'm from an entire country shuts down for a soccer match yeah an entire country shuts down (laughs) right and I guess that's where I feel like I'm putting a lot of my energy and honestly my wife is putting a lot of her energy because we always thought well keep getting promoted and that'll be kind of the the way that it goes and now that we are where we are and we realize that there are fewer promotions to be had we're like how much more in life is that really buying us like obviously it gets us more money but are we really gaining as much as we think that we are by doing that and now we're like wait a minute, we can just work from home, be family, and actually do some things that we like and have an enriched life and have a fulfilling feeling in life. Whereas I don't think I was feeling fulfilled. Even though I was doing things that I like, I really wasn't feeling fulfilled. And like I started to think, am I at that age where I can't start over anymore? Because I think we all get like at a certain point, we're trapped. We are where we are. And it's like, well, I can't really do anything new because I could never start over. And I keep thinking this period might be affording a lot of people that. It might be affording a um, a cleanse, so to speak, to do what you always wanted to do and sort of take that chance. 
and I just wondered if humans is you know and specifically in this country are losing out on that ability and we're just going to go back to the way that things were and not learn something and evolve yeah you said something kind of kind of really really um that caught my attention there just now um about starting over so for those of my friends that are, that that listen that know me since you know either college or or high school or even before that um in my adult life um i worked late in life and when when i say that um my parents provided everything that we needed so i was one of those kids that unfortunately did not have to get a summer job or a part-time job or whatever it was i was fortunate and blessed enough that my parents were like hey it's just school your only job is school you have one thing school so i didn't get my first real job till i was about 21 right and it was a eye opener and shocker because i just i i thought okay this is what you're supposed to do work hard to achieve whatever i have had and this is people that know me um the longest tenure that i had in a uh i guess an industry was in property management which spanned just about just about 18 years prior to that or interjected interwoven into that i've had three other careers where i've spent maybe 6 years doing something and kind of attained um some level of um of of um of leadership in those positions but i i i find myself back to your old question i find myself evolving every maybe 10 years i'm doing something if i looked at myself when i was 36 i'm 46 now i was doing i was doing property management but i was um in the middle of my career kind of you know forging out what the new path is going to be but 10 years behind that i was i wasn't even in this field i was doing something else i worked for the postal service and i say postal service you know shout out to everybody that still does that um and i also worked in insurance i worked in i worked for an hmo um i worked for um it was probably one of the most um dreariest jobs I can ever have cuz I didn't think of it as a career. I, I knew that I was going to stay long in this. I mean, it was a four-year pit stop, but it just wasn't, you know, I I found that some of the the problems that we have with healthcare starts at these companies, at these insurance companies because they're left to run rampant in how they, you know, produce costs, cut costs and at, at your at your expense. So anyway, not to go off on a tangent, um is interesting um enough that you um said that at how old are you at 37 37 37 at 37 um you you wouldn't want to start over you feel like you couldn't i think you actually have the kind of mind um from what i've known of you you can do anything bro like i i don't i don't doubt that um i don't know if you would want to but obviously you know if you were to ever switch gears i think that your personality and your character would still drive you to to attain that level of uh, comfort that level of living that you're used to for some people that's very scary you know um we think of people right now in this pandemic that unfortunately have their jobs have shut down whatever industry it was or is it's shut down they cannot go back but they're 55 years old So now they're forced to retire 10 years probably early or maybe 20 years probably earlier they're forced to retire or they're forced to start over in a in a job or industry or a field that they're foreign to and now they have to evolve and kind of go through that change that you talked about where we're missing something you know where they some people might experience fulfillment saying oh my god I worked in whatever you know 
healthcare for 30 years and I got out because of the pandemic and now I'm doing something else, hospitality, and it's been great. My mood is different. My life is different. The, the money is great. So yeah, it, it's kind of, it kind of all ties together in some kind of way because a lot of people, you know, um, I mentioned on my last episode, fear, uh, and Will Smith gets his credit for this. He says fear, you know, it helps you not see the beauty in things. When we're afraid of what's on the other side, what we can't see, you know, I always talk about the, um, the headlight paradox. Uh, the headlights on a car can only see about roughly 400 yards, I think, last time I checked. So when you're driving on a stormy road in the middle of the night, you can only trust your car every 400 yards because you can't see that fallen tree or that bridge that's out or the road that's been washed away. So you have to trust in, okay, these headlights are going to guide me to my uh, destination. So yeah, it, it you know taking stock in oneself, uh, looking at how we evolve, how we change, and what we should do. This pandemic was a perfect slowdown for everyone, um, not economically. So please don't anyone take that as 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 jest. But this slowdown, this slowdown made you realize living life. Now on the opposite of that, you've had people kind of go through a marriage or a relationship where now they're it's magnified whatever problems they've had. They either work through them or they were amplified to the point where it's it's noisy now, where, you know, you're forced to come home to somebody and like, Jesus, like I would normally be at the office until, you know, 10 o'clock at night. But now I'm home at seven or I'm home all day with this person working in, in with them side by side. And it's just it's just crazy. So, yeah, that was a great segue to that. But see, that's the thing, right? The evolution for me is that I have slowed down to realize that I was convincing myself that I was afraid to not be able to change because you think, well, I have it really good now. And I think the, the benefit for me is that I have a job that I can keep doing while I try and set up these other things that I want to do. And, yeah. and, and, I, I, and I believe that I can do that now. And the pandemic, the slowdown has done for me, I'd be do, um, live in the present like we always talk about that we always talk you got to live in the present it's like that's really hard to do when you're always thinking about the future and that's what i think the evolution is for me personally is now it's like wait a minute i can start to do anything i want i mean just today i was digging around the closet looking for something and i saw my wife's um camera like her canon and i thought holy shit i've been looking for something like this and i was like hey can i uh steal this and you know i start talked about the sneaker stuff and i'm doing youtube videos and it's like well now i can take it big time because i have a legit camera that i forgot she had and so now i'm yeah. like now i'm looking at photography 101 i'm youtube videos actually before we got on here i took a pair of shoes and was just taking every angle every little thing on the camera trying to get different you know exposure levels all that stuff and i want to learn about it now and i feel like i can do that and that that, that's the way it is for me and I had convinced myself that I couldn't and not yeah. not anymore yeah it, it's what I said on the on the last episode for some reason man I that episode I, I recorded just kind of waking up um, getting the day started part of it if you guys have heard it towards the end I was losing my train of thought because I was actually getting dressed so to show you how real this podcast is again so one of the things I said on the podcast on the last episode was what you just said about sometimes you don't even realize what you're getting into 
it's already in your way. It's already been put out for you where, you know, you it it's by happenstance or circumstance or whatever you want to call it, divine intervention, if you're, you know, religious, that you're entering a new chapter um, in, in the book of Matt and this camera appeared and it's the exact tool that you've been looking for. Okay, this is my next evolution is that, okay, now I, I have a legit, I don't have to go out and spend money on a camera because it's been sitting here all this time yes you know the, the the tools that we have to to build things are scattered all around us we just have to know when it is time to pick it up you know i am not a devout religious person uh, i am religious um in my own regard but i when i have a really big problem uh i just look at god like listen you know what i'm not asking you to be a genie for me and solve this or eliminate this problem for me but what i'm asking you is give me the tools Give me the guidance. Show me the path. Give me the sign that I'm that I'm gonna do the right thing. I've taken so many risks as a person. Um, it's unbelievable because they're you know they're at some level calculated, but for the most part, they're not. You know, last week I did a 36-hour fast. Right today, not only I did the 36, I am I am 41 hours into a a 48-hour fast, and sometimes it's without planning or preparation to say you know what let me just jump into the void but it's no it's, it's like you know what let me see how, how how far can I push ahead you know because fear fear is something that you said you know we, we look at what we're afraid of you know sometimes we're afraid of failing which is the you know the human nature of things and then sometimes we, we are afraid of succeeding we're afraid of getting ahead we ask for things oh I want a promotion I want to be in charge of this but then you get it and you're like oh shit I wasn't ready for this because this is a lot of work or you get it and then you realize what was I afraid of getting promoted I should, I should have been promoted years ago for this you know some people don't realize you know that when you're and I hate the word nobody when you're a nobody I guess I could be frank here when you're nobody nobody remembers you one of the most famous lines that I love from the movie Troy was when Brad Pitt's uh, character Chili says uh, to the little boy, no one will remember your name. And that's something that I tell people. I said, you know, we are all born into this world. There's millions of, well, billions of people on the planet, but there's only one you. There's only one Matt. There's only one Matt. And I'm fortunate to have met you and, and got to know you, but there's so many people that don't know you yet. And I, and I believe that you're one of those type of people that will become famous. I said it here on this podcast. You will become famous. Whatever fame means to you, whether it's knowing 100,000 people or 100,000 people knowing you, or you know, you're known by millions of people, or your name is going to ring somewhere in a market in, in, in China that sneaker, a sneaker deal is going down, and some guys will say, wait a minute, let me have my guy bet this. You know? I'll tell you Never what, Mike. Well, we don't want to know what my goal for fame is, is to be known as a Matty Ice that doesn't blow a 28-3 lead in something like the Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. You got to bring that up. <laughs> that's all. That, that's all. That's, that's all that's I want. awesome. Speaking of, so you talked about problem solving. And to get onto something a little bit lighter, did you see the uh, Seahawks rookie who did a little problem solving of his own, getting his girl into the facility with Seahawks gear on? And then Pete Carroll said, well, you're just fired. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I want to laugh here, but actually not a ha-ha, but I want to laugh in because um, I've said I've said this a hundred thousand times. A lot of people don't know how hard it is to make it to the collegiate level, to then make it to the NFL, 
This guy was a fringe guy. He was undrafted. He was a great talent, but he's undrafted because when you thought you're all American, then you walk into a room with 21 all other all Americans. Yep. You're like, holy shit. And they're all cornerbacks because he was a wide receiver and then he became a cornerback or something like that when he transferred. Anyway, long story long, if you look at his story, he completed he completed his last year of college. He basically took 25, I think 25 credits or something. It's something weird where he, he crammed in to, to get done so he can transfer as a graduate transfer to play somewhere else for eligibility. This to show you how hard it is for these guys to get on a roster. And for you to get on a roster as an undrafted rookie, you ain't done shit yet. And that's how you go down, bro. I'm pretty sure someone else is going to get him on the waiver wire if 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 there's some something said about him. But that says a lot about his character that, bro, that you, during all of this, this is what you do. You're in camp. You're in camp. Like, <laughs> where there might be a season, there might not be a season. Who knows? And this is your chance to get somewhere, people to know your name. Now you're going to be that guy that we remember as the guy that snuck his chicken wearing Seahawks gear as a player. Jesus. I mean, I think the best part about it is that he thought that putting her in football gear would, you know, oh, yeah, obviously every single Seahawks player walks in in the middle of the night with their full pads and, you know, jerseys on. So I wonder where his Wonder Lick was, bro. I mean, <laughs> but I, I, I saw that and I thought there's somebody who is missing this opportunity to think differently. And look, I, I'm not going to fault the guy for wanting to, to get some action. It's a different thing. And I can't even imagine. I'm fortunate that, you know, I get, not, well, I guess it depends on your perspective. But for me, I'm fortunate that I get to be home with my wife more often and spend more time with her. But I, I know that there's a lot of professions in which people are separated from their family, what have you. And I, so I'm not necessarily judging the guy, but I think, it, it, it made me laugh because the judgment there was such a person who is so, like that, that is something that a young person would do because their priorities haven't really been set yet. I mean, you're right, though. If he, even if he's a fringe guy, like he hasn't really made his money. He hasn't really become a professional at that level. And I think his priorities just weren't. You find out really quick and no matter whether it's football or sports or whatever, but if you go into a serious workplace and you don't take it seriously, they're going to let you know, and you're probably not going to be at that workplace anymore. And it's unfortunate for him, and he might catch on somewhere else. But you know, if he's angry at the Seahawks for cutting him, it's like, dude, they made the rules for a reason because it's a different time. Like, I think normally, if you want to go off and do that, fine. But I don't know. I I just had to laugh though at at, at what he thought. I'm I like, mean. I mean, the guy endangered the team. Yeah. Like, what if this person? What if this person was in a hot spot? Like, you, you just. Oh. I don't know. I, I just, I just, yeah. I, it's unfathomable. I, I can't even wrap my hands around it. That why you would do that. But again, yes, you're young, and obviously, anyone listening that that is even connected to this, I doubt. But you know, it's not a death te- death sentence for this kid. But it's it's use better judgment next time, bro. You you gotta knowing how hard it is to get into the NFL and to stay in the NFL, you have to be, I mean, just look at um, the guy for Washington. I, I can't even say the name anymore. It's crazy. Yes. Look at the guy for Washington, the running back, Davius Geis. I actually know this guy. I met him. He's come to the St. James and work out. And little guy, actually, because I was like, he plays professional football? Wow. You know, he's a small guy. But, you know, 
when it came out of how many domestic violence, um, and again, I'm not here to judge, jury, execute the guy, but when it came out of how many passes this kid got from the team, it shows you the mechanics of an inner, the underbelly of the NFL and professional sports because they thought that this guy was such a, a good pick for them that they were going to kind of get through this. His last one, he allegedly uh, choked his um, girlfriend unconscious. Like, like really? This is great. So, you know, having having the opportunity of a lifetime, the golden ticket, as I like, as I like to say, you cannot squander away, you know, your your evolutions or your chances based on, you know, not evolving, not becoming better at something. And shame on the teams that that actually, you know, pick these guys up knowing that there's a, a red flag in there or there's been an instance or more than one instance. Maybe it's a one-off and then, okay, well, that happened. But then it's like, all right, you got a repeated history of this. Oh, yeah. You know? I, it disappoints me a lot. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a, a fan who, if my team has somebody like that, that I'm just an apologist for that person. It disappoints the hell out of me that Aaron Hernandez was drafted. And I, I think that the team had to know more than they, they lead on. And that, to me, is disappointing because winning, winning football games, the fans obviously take a lot of stock in that. But it doesn't do anything for them except gives them a good feeling. But at the end of the day, the team doesn't, they don't share in any revenues. They don't anything like that. When the team wins, it's just, it's, it's nice when your team is successful, when you're a fan, but it's sad that so many people put aside true human decency issues just for the betterment of the team. And it's like, I don't care if my team goes from 12 and 4 to 4 and 12. If there's a guy who's serially beating women or children, I don't want him on my team. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, it disappoints me too. But I, I get it. It's, it's, you know, it's the economics of winning. Like, it's more important to these franchises and unfortunately to a lot of fans that the team be good than the team be good character. Um, and I... I don't know. Like as I've gotten older, that disappoints me too. But I think for this kid, you know, what 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 he did is relatively benign compared to what a lot of people yeah. get pa- a lot of people get passes for. But Pete Carroll's a player's coach, and they yeah. let him, and and they and the fact that they let him go is really going to be difficult for him to get around because everybody knows that Pete's a pretty good guy when it comes to standing up for his players and so forth. Uh, you know, Bill wouldn't even. Uh, well, I'm glad you said. I'm, we, no, I'm glad you said that because I don't think he stood up for Reggie Bush. No, but I, I, he bailed on those kids, bro. He bailed on those kids. Yes, when it, that went down. He bailed on that program. He did, but also he did and he didn't because I think the the NCAA, when it comes to punishing for things like this, is so out of touch. And mm-hmm. what Reggie Bush did in my mind, doesn't really fit the bill of what I think they're trying to get at. And I understand what you're talking about, you know, like Pete Carroll left and all. in general, he's not a Belichick who will cut you right away. Yeah, so, yeah, like so you know, to your point, you know it's something way more, like, is this not, like, to sneak a, a and, and, and I'm glad that you uh, made the correlation what I was trying to get at with the with the Darius Geist thing. Like, to do that, that's a slap on the wrist. That could have been internal. That could have been like, listen, bro, don't do that again. You yes. know, like, that was crazy. You know, because you got guys that, you know, 
uh, I think it was the Browns hard knocks. The guy got pulled over. I think Callahan, Calhoun or Callahan, whatever the, the receiver, yes. had a DUI. I'm like, bro, like you're the DUI and, and they suspended him or whatever. So to cut a guy that is not even, you know, he, he he's a talent. He's not drafted, so you really don't own him anything. You don't, you know, you might be able to make him a star. You might not. But to cut a guy for that, it has to be a little bit more to it. Maybe she was a prostitute. Got you know, I'm, I'm speculating here, so I'm not telling you know calling her that. But you don't know what it was, or maybe there was they found drugs on them. I don't know what it could have been. But like like you said, you said the exact thing I was trying to say is that of all the things that we've seen, <laughs> to cut a guy for that is crazy. It could also be that the team, the Seahawks, are trying to show that they are not above the world situation right now that hey we have put these rules in place because it's for your safety and the safety of the people's families in which we're all here with you know and to blatantly sort of you know laugh in the face of it by trying to do that and I think it's the level at which it went to like it's not as if she just snuck in like he tried to hide it and that to me shows that he knew what he was doing he knew that what he was doing was a bad thing premeditated yes it was it was it was see so I'm glad you said that. This is a very, very interesting conversation. So when we look at if he was somebody, not a nobody, if he was somebody, if he was, look at what AB did, threatening, uh-huh. <laughs> threatening a, a, a witness and a prosecute. I mean, come on. Uh-huh. So, you know, so he's a nobody. And that's kind of why I said what I said earlier. Like you have to transcend who you are. You have to, you know, if you're larger than life, if your if your rep if your rep is big, it's so oh, that's oh that's that guy, you know, that could have been a pass. But like you said, it, it the, the layers that were you know unraveling about it. Yes, he, I mean that's endangering, you know, tons of guys on that team. That entire roster could have been compromised had there been a breakout, or if there's a breakout on that team, that you know he brought someone in to the bubble. So yeah, I get what you're saying. So I'm not dispelling what you're saying. I'm just. I'm just kind of going on the on the side of like, you know, when you're somebody, if that was Tom Brady, Tom Brady wouldn't have got cut. No, but you know, <laughs> I can tell you, okay, I, let me, I'll be Pete Carroll for a second. He calls the kid in, right? And the kid sits down and he's like, uh, you know, so look, we, we caught you doing this or whatever. And he's like, you, know, you, you sacked Russell in practice. And, uh, you know, you could have COVID. So you're just off the team because we can't have, <laughs> right? And, and because they're like, we need Russell to be, to be running around in the backfield for 30 yards to make five-yard completions. Like, we need him. If we don't have that, we ain't doing anything. And I just can't have you getting to the quarterback while you're getting it with your girl who might have COVID, so I'm sorry, you got to go. Like, and I, I could totally see it where they're like, you got really close to Russell, and we cannot afford that. We just, yeah. we, you know what I mean? And it's like, you're a nobody, but he's not a nobody. We're paying him that's a shitload what, of money to be on the team. And, and that's do- what I'm saying. That's exactly, I'm, I'm glad that we always in tune. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying because the, you know, on 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 the surface we see it as oh man come on you know the kid being a kid he's 21 years old whatever, but then it's like bro, it's a it's a raging pandemic we're in a bubble situation where, you know we're trying to keep things um, intact here and you could have unraveled this entire sweater with your bullshit so yeah so but honestly it's it's I think it's that I think it's that he endangered the team it, it might have been a little bit more than just sneaking her in it might have been maybe his third time sneaking her in I don't know 
I just love thinking about how these conversations go down because I and I also assume Pete Carroll's chewing gum during this conversation because he is like he's a hall he's a hall of fame gum chewer like first the guy college. should have a gum he should have a gum endorsement oh God. yeah but he does and he's like uh, yeah he is a hall of fame gum chewer and he's probably chomping away in his gum but you know he probably said something like you being here you having sex with your girlfriend is just the same as russell having sex with her and we both know that she wouldn't he wouldn't do that um or something like that you know he would not do that so um you know there's there's there's, i don't want to say fun but it was definitely funny but on the football side of it you know that guy not taking his career seriously but then remember two weeks ago i mentioned how i think that you're going to see players signing for money now and check it out kittle and kelsey both getting paid yesterday um you know and now kittle it was it was so funny what was it five years 75 mil and he was the highest paid by you know per year i think it is by something like five million dollars and i thought yeah i mean there's a lot of players who if the teams are going to offer them money now i think they're going to take it i mean look at i mean look at the position um, uh-huh for for lack of a better word gronk <laughs> gronk should have got that kind of money a couple years ago you know, given given the the production and the threat and how he changed the game, and and you know he was such a he was such a force. These tight ends need to thank, you know, Shannon Sharp, Gronk, and uh, Tony Tony Gonzalez. Like they those guys paved the fucking way for, you know, these guys to get these kind of contracts. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Um, the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers, um. I don't want to call it a one-off. We'll see what happens again with this team. Uh, they can keep it intact, but you know the defense, decent. The offense, it's okay. You know, it's okay. But you know, to give out the money that they gave out to, well, Shanahan deserved it because he, he took the team, turned it around from all after cap left and all that kind of stuff happened. But to look at, to look at how they throw money at after one or two seasons, bro, it's kind of crazy. It reminds me of Tony Romo when Tony had that great season and they threw a lot of money at him but then better yet Matt Flynn and um who's the other guy it's Matt oh, Flynn yeah I know well what was the guy for Chicago was it Mike Glennon a couple years ago oh uh, god remember that uh Brock Osweiler got a ton of money uh yeah. there, there's it's littered with him but I just thought it was uh it was right on on the money you know no pun intended with what I was talking about that yeah. these players if the team approaches them and the and look at both of the guys are you know guys who really haven't cashed in as big as their production, and Kelsey a little bit more because he's obviously been producing for longer. Uh, but you know the team are like, hey, we're gonna pay you, and the players are probably not going to take that risk because I'm gonna get paid now. And yeah, no, I, especially in football. Are you kidding me? Absolutely like, not. Yes, back up the bridge truck for me because I only got maybe two or three years in this thing. Let me get paid. You know. And make sure you don't actually back up a Brinks truck because Jalen Ramsey did that, and I don't think he's going to get paid the way he thought he paid. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you do stuff like that, that you know, you better have a a, a season that's Hall of Fame worthy, bro. Because that kind of just messes you up because they remember you as that guy. Oh yeah, I yeah, they they do. Um, but I thought there was so much to unpack this week, you know, with all that. Um, it's just. There were, you know, the football stuff, but I really wanted to get into some of the more uh, serious content with you this week because I just think that you and I have the ability to 
to really uh, dive in and, and analyze some of these things from our life experiences, the life experiences of people that we know. Um, so I'm happy to, that I this week. I think it was pretty enlightening, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Uh, to my listening fans all over the airwaves, we have an announcement to make today. Um, we are going to join forces, so to speak, and launch a new podcast. You still have the manual. I will still be giving you content um, bi-weekly um, for the most part, but we're going to come out with a great, great, great new podcast that you guys will have the listening pleasure um, to chime in, you know, give questions, kind of be involved in it. Um, we are in the the annals of putting it together right now. We're ready to launch. So, Matt, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how much detail I want to go into it, but um, we're going to be calling it Deep Water. So, uh, for everybody who, who knows Cleve, you know, he's a big boxing fan. I am in the same you know place with him, and we have trained, and we have you know quite frankly uh, gone to war uh, plenty of times and given away that for free. Um, and you know we're we're calling it that because we really want to take you the distance, you know, mentally and and the kind of the way that we've done it here. So we're hoping to get that on the ground and kind of replace some of these Fridays with Matty Ice and uh, you know make it a long-standing thing that you can get your content on the manual. You can get your content there. And if it's okay with you, Cleve, I'm going to, you know, say that I'm also going to be starting my own uh, thread as well. Um, awesome. You know, we want, and I think we, I'm going to say we want you all listeners to be able to get different menu items, so to speak, of content that you want. Um, you know, what I do on mine is going to be different than what Cleve does on his, and it's going to have a different look and feel. And the show that we do together is going to have a different look and feel. Um, to get you excited for the future, I've been looking into ways that we can do live participation shows eventually once Cleve and I find our voice and kind of feel like we have a format that works for us. Um, I've already started into that because I want to be able to have people either chatting with us during an episode and hopefully when the world is more normal, we can do things in person, start to do some video feeds eventually. But that's what we're thinking about, um, you know, and the as yet named show for me. But, uh, you know, we're hoping to create sort of a little network for you so that we can bounce ideas off each other, give you teasers for things that are coming up on each of our shows and hopefully have you listening to us uh, together. So I'm excited about it, man. Really. Absolutely, man. I mean, the content, the content will be um, very involved, very in tune with what's been happening. Um, We are going to try to give you guys so much to digest um, it's not going to be funny. We're going to try to really, you know, we have great chemistry. Um, everyone tells me that, uh, you know, I, uh, I laugh. I make them laugh when I laugh. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know what that means, but, um, I get that a lot. So a lot of it is just being, um, shooting from the hip. Uh, Matt and I have this inside joke where we point and gun. <laughs> so a lot of it is, um, it's kind of like that tongue in cheek kind of, you know, really, uh, thought out. Now the manual is is um, is is more of a I'll be off the cuff kind of show, but the show that we're going to be doing, the deep, it's going to give you more um, more intellectual kind of uh, drawn out, you know, conceptualized thoughts, ideas uh, that we talk about. You know, we we won't uh, bore you guys, but we want to give you guys more of a structure versus. Um, doing this kind of, you know, off the cuff here. All right. 
Absolutely. And I know for mine, you know, I'm still kind of in the, the workings on that. But, uh, you know, I want to do something different. We're going to do too, because I really would like to have three different flavors for people to, to get into. Um, you know, I want to do some things with people that I know, you know, especially uh, I'd like to highlight a lot of women in business, a lot of successful women that I know, stuff like that, you know, um, and, and friends that I have who have been different ways, but also kind of talk about myself a little bit, you know, do sneaker stuff, obviously. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, right now, I think for, for us, Cleve, you know, um, I think next week, maybe we can announce when we're going to have our first episode and when it's going to publish um, and where you can find it. And uh, that way, give us some time to make sure that what we put out for you is the best that it can be. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in today, wherever you are. Hopefully, hopefully you guys are staying safe, having a, a great time, um, you know, wherever you're doing. And you have a great weekend. Uh, I think on the northeast, we're going to get some rain again uh, this weekend, but not too, too bad as has it been. But just always be safe, you know, as you're traveling out. If you're, if you're traveling across country, please be safe. And we are now with the manual. We are now. Ireland, I think, checked in, and Japan, and Canada, it's crazy, so, you know, words getting out, and you guys, you know, keep amplifying, um, we will be, again, incorporating these three shows into, um, kind of an umbrella, so to give you guys different, different things, um, from each side, all right, so I thank you guys today, Matt, any parting words? Uh, no, I just appreciate the, the support, and people listening, and anybody who's still looking for me, uh, with sneaker stuff, I've changed a few of my, uh, you know, contact info, but if you reach out to Cleve, if you're interested, uh, and he can give it to you, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to some people and kind of giving them some, um, you know, teases of my collection and also what I can do for them there. So, but I appreciate everybody's support and I appreciate you having me on here and looking forward to coming back on Friday. If that's cool with you. Awesome. Sounds great, man. All, All right. right man. Thank you. Peace.